Joining us now on the Harbor One Hotline, we welcome in Buster Olney, ESPN Major League Baseball insider. Good afternoon, Buster. How are you? No, I'm fired up. This is going to be fun. Well, you know, I just think about growing up in New England all the, for 43 years, hearing the stories from from 78 and knowing that for you know another 43 years people be remembering what happens tonight it's pretty cool you know buster it's interesting because i saw the note from one of the nerd numbers network people where they said that uh this is the first postseason elimination game that the yankees are playing inside fenway park because that 78 game technically counted in the regular season i maybe that's just a a a pure semantics and anomaly but when you think about it from that standpoint and the enormity of the rivalry between these two teams it is a little fun nugget it is um yeah and and and, you know i was 14 years old when that game was played in 1978 and yeah it was an extension of the regular season it was the game 163 but for all practical purposes, it's the exact same thing, right? This is right. the 163rd game that both of these teams uh, are playing, and one team's going home, and one team is moving forward in the playoffs. And uh, it, you know, there's there could be no better two teams in a situation like this in terms of uh, interest in a wild card game. I love the wild card game myself, but I understand the argument against it that you play 162 games and then it's a, a sport all about series and then it comes down to, to one game. But it seems like Major League Baseball really likes this buster and this isn't going anywhere. And the broadcast partners like it, like right. my employers. You know, yeah. the ratings are huge. Um, but, it, you know, is it fair to the players? I don't know. <laughs> like I remember at the end of the 2014 and 2015 seasons, I think you can make an argument that the Pirates were actually the best team in the National League. But in 14, uh, they ran into, in the wildcard game, Madison Bumgarner at the beginning of the greatest postseason run of any pitcher ever. Uh, and then the next year, in 2015, they go to the wildcard game again, and who do they run into? Jake Arrieta at the back end of the greatest second half of any pitcher ever. And they get shut down. I remember talking to Andrew McCutcheon the following spring, and and he he, he was mad. Like he was like, "That stinks. That 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 that's uh, you know that's the way it is." But because of the, how highly rated these games are, I'm sure that in some form or fashion they will continue when we get expanded playoffs next year. Buster Olney of ESPN with Gresham Keith. Buster joins us on the Harbor One Hotline. Buster, how do you sum up the season that Garrett Cole has had and where he is at at this point heading into tonight? Uh, I think you can uh, define it uh, by the through the sticky stuff crackdown. Uh, you know, like Garrett Richards and like so many other pitchers, there's a before and after. You know, before he was completely dominant and he built up the bulk of his, uh, his Cy Young Award case and afterward, he had some ups and downs, you know, down the stretch. His stuff wasn't as dominant. Um, you know, in that last start he made against the Blue Jays, they absolutely ambushed his fastball uh, and hammered him. And I suspect that, you know, when he goes out and throws the first inning tonight, guys, the thing I'm going to be looking for is how much does he use his secondary stuff right off the bat. If you see, you know, sliders, curveballs, uh, you know, that sort of stuff from the first hitter on, I think that'll tell you that he'll tend to pitch backwards. And that might actually be the best possible strategy for the Yankees, given the depth of their bullpen. Like, the Yankees don't need Garrett Cole to go eight innings innings tonight because they do have great weapons at the end of their bullpen. One of the really frustrating aspects of the weekend was J.D. Martinez tripping over second base, injuring his ankle, and he's not playing tonight. And I understand how... You know, the lead, there's an odd number of teams in each league, and there's going to be interleague all the time. But 
I don't know, Buster. It feels like something needs to be done where you have an all-important final series with a chance to get in, and you're not even playing by the rules that your league plays by. Yeah, uh, well, and there's nothing that they could do about it unless they change the universal DH because if you have an odd number of teams, then you're always going to have an American League team playing a National League team. You're always going to have situations like that. But I do think that it's over. I I will say this. Um, you know, I was really surprised that the union didn't have the player association did not horse trade, uh, essentially tell major league baseball, look, we'll agree to expanded playoffs for 2021. Uh, you give us a universal DH, uh, in return and you give us a bunch of money. And I'm guessing probably would have been like 60 to $80 million for them just to make it happen and avoid situations like that. You know, add the JD Martinez injury to the long list of injuries of pitcher getting pitchers getting hurt while they were swinging a bat or bunting or running the bases, it was really unnecessary. Uh, and you do wonder, you know, why they couldn't even get in a room and figure that out. Buster, uh, we asked this question earlier. It's a little fill in the blank. I want to pose it to you. Tonight is blank for Alex Cora. Oh, boy. Um, uh, a, a, a brain puzzler. Um, that's because I, I feel like whereas Aaron Boone goes into tonight's game and he's got like this buffet of great bullpen options, uh, for Alex Cora, if Evaldi doesn't pitch into the sixth or seventh inning, it becomes an absolute crapshoot for Alex in terms of who's, who he's picking out of his bullpen. I mean, let's face it, when you finish up your regular season with Nick Pavetta on the mound getting a second career save, that tells you all you need to know about sort of where the Red Sox are. I think what where is it uh, since the trade deadline, the Red Sox have the third worst bullpen ERA among 30 teams. And, and so for Alex, you know, if uh, from his perspective to get Evaldi, uh, you know, a strong adding from him to have a better slider than he had in that last game against the Yankees, I mean, that would be huge and make it a lot easier to manage from Alex's perspective. How about from the 30,000-foot view, bigger picture perspective tonight for Alex Cora? Is this vindication? Is this retribution? I know that, you know, he got caught up in everything that went down in Houston in 2020, but this guy has led this baseball team as if he never left. I think he's checked that box when it uh, when it comes to uh, you know getting uh, making a statement coming back because you know I was among the idiots who didn't think the Red Sox had a chance to make the postseason this year. I thought this would be a rebuilding year. The idea that they're the number one wild card team in the American League, no matter what happens, uh, you know this year I think uh, during the wintertime will feel like a success. Uh, that you know they they performed I, in some respects. If they advance past the Yankees, get to face the Rays, anything after that is gravy. I mean, you know, there, there's going to be criticism, uh, you know, of, of Alex as all managers do. If they lose a game like tonight, there's going to be scrutiny. That's just the way it goes. But I think this year has been great for Alex. Uh, one of the great trade deadline deals turned out to be Kyle Schwarber, and it, and it took a couple of weeks for him to get healthy and him to come out out there, but. I'm curious, Buster, what do you think the market will be for him uh, this offseason? Well, and if, in fact, there is, is, is uh, everybody expects universal DH next year, that means he's going to get paid even more uh, because his potential market will effectively double. Um, you know, my guess is, is that he probably is going to get somewhere in the range uh, coming off a great year this year 
um, you know, 15 to $18 million a year. You think about Michael Brantley of the Houston Astros. Last winter, he got, what, $18 million mm. in a year. That's a good comp for Schwarber. And given that he's younger than Michael Brantley, you know, you're looking at four or five years, he's going to get paid. You can bet, you know, whether it's a team, you know, like the Red Sox or like the Yankees or, you know, depending on what J.D. Martinez does, um, he's going to have a lot of teams coming after him. And on top of that, he has a reputation being a great guy. And I remember talking to Tim Hires a couple weeks ago about how uh, Bobby Dahlbeck has really benefited from having Schwarber around the team and picking his brain all the time. Buster Olney of ESPN with Gresham Keefe for a few more minutes here on the WEI Sports Radio Network. Buster joins us on the Harbor One Hotline. What kind of game are you expecting tonight, Buster? It it really, um, first off, going into it, I can't remember, and I've covered like seven or eight wildcard games, a game which on paper felt more like there was a clear favorite than this one. On paper, I think the Yankees are in a much better position. You know, Garrett Cole... Uh, even if he doesn't necessarily have a strong start, there, there's just an army of relievers that they've developed in the last few weeks with Luis Severino coming back to them, uh, Jonathan Loisega and the way that he's been throwing down the stretch, even Aroldis Chapman, who's the biggest X factor in that bullpen, you know, he's pitched better in the last two weeks. Uh, whereas the Red Sox equation for victory tonight is more fragile. Uh, they need a lot out of Nathan Abaldi, and they need a change from that last start. In that last game, he pitched against the Yankees. He had two and two-thirds innings, seven runs allowed. Uh, he just didn't have any swing and miss stuff with his slider. 59 pitches and three swings and misses. That's 5%. You know, he typically is someone who generates about 12 to 14% swing and miss. Um, I, I think that's going to be the telltale sign early in the game about where the Red Sox pitching is going to be. Is Abaldi getting swings and misses in those first few innings? I think I could tell what your answer is going to be based on that answer, but would you say the Tampa Bay Rays are probably rooting for the Red Sox over the Yankees? I would. I would yeah. say that, you know, based on where the teams are. And it's interesting because I can tell you this, people with the Red Sox and Yankees in recent days have been rooting against the Blue Jays. <laughs> right. Like I talked to an official uh, with one of the teams last night, and he goes, oh, my God, thank God we didn't have to play those monsters. <laughs> you know, the Blue Jays were yeah. the team that everyone was afraid of. And now I think because the Yankees bullpen, um, you know, the, the, the sluggers in their lineup, they're probably a more daunting challenge at this point than the Red Sox. But you guys know. I mean, it's baseball. It's one game. Mm-hmm. Anything can happen. Heroes emerge. Uh, Bucky Dent, from what I understand, is going to be in the ballpark tonight. Come uh, on. You know, he's a, he's a, he is. He's a, <laughs> I've been texting with him today. Oh, I, you no. know, we plan on talking to him during the game. Um, you know, that, that that's. That's what happens in one-game scenarios. Anything can happen. I would say this. I think no matter which team comes through this game, saw Tampa Bay in, in the last two weeks. Wow, that, that is a great team uh, with a really tough lineup to navigate. I think it would be a big challenge for either one of the teams to beat them. How, how does Tampa win? We had passing on a couple of weeks ago, and I was like, how are they so good? <laughs> like, I, it's a lot of guys that aren't household names, and then even their pitchers, for the most part, Buster, it's not like – they're mowing guys down, and it's a bunch of guys with you know two and a half ERAs. I really can't, and we've seen them head to head a bunch against the Red Sox. I still don't know how they do it. So the greatest answer that I've ever gotten from a general manager to a question was along those lines: the Eric Neander, who's the you know heads up baseball operations for them, and he said, "Look, the greatest resource for each organization is not the number of dollars they spend on payroll. It's not where they draft." It's the opportunities that you get within all the at-bats and all of the innings pitched 
during the course of the year. That's the Rays' perspective. So, in other words, they get a player who has an acute talent, and then they say, okay, these are the things that we believe can help make you better, and they do that better than anybody. The other thing, too, is that they've done a great job of backfilling on depth in the minor leagues because they slow play the development of their guys. When their pitchers reach the big leagues, they've had three, four, five years. They don't rush anybody up. So as Shane Boz, when he gets to the big leagues, he is fully developed to have an impact right away. It's something they need to do financially, I think, to be successful. And it obviously has a lot to do with the incredible depth that they put together.